Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is interconnected and interdependent, that everything is energy, and that energy is one thing, meaning we're all, in essence, one. What you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. Now, ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons, and science is now just catching up. But actually, in essence, modern-day science of quantum physics is saying the exact same thing as spirituality. So when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is Mystical Interludes 2 with Emily Radovich. I think I did it right. Said it right. Uh, my, my guests, I mean, my listeners are so familiar with me. <laughs> uh, not pronouncing names correctly, but Emily, thank you so much. This is Emily's second time with us here on Awake to Oneness Radio, and I've had the pleasure of meeting Emily in person two times at different events that are local to the Northeast area where, Emily, you're here in Pennsylvania? Yes? I'm in Pittsburgh. Okay, other West Coast, West Coast, West Coast of Pennsylvania. So, yeah, very good. Thank you so much, Emily. Now, please, please share with our listeners, even though you've been my guest in the past, I want you to share your journey with our my listeners. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn. You couldn't be more pleased than I am that I'm here. And I just happen to have my books here. I'm going to hold them up, um, taking paper clips and things out. This is my first book. It's Mystical Mm -hmm. Interludes and Ordinary Persons, Extraordinary Experiences. And it is about my own experiences. And as I was getting to the end of the book, I got a nudge. And you know what I'm talking about. Yes. it It said, you're not finished. You have more to do. Yes. So I invited readers to um, send in their stories of their experiences, and I published this book, which is uh-huh. Mystical Interludes 2, a collection of ordinary people's extraordinary experiences. Yes, and I, I love that. And you know, the word ordinary for me, we are all, and quote unquote, we're all ordinary. Are we're all special because we're all equal. See, that's the thing. Sometimes people think, oh, well, so and so is able to channel, so and so is a psychic, so and so has a near death experience. They're extraordinary. I mean, those are extraordinary experiences because they're not experiences that people have every day. But here's the thing that I like from my show to impress upon people is that we are all wherever you are in your journey you are just as special 
as a person that has a near-death experience or that has the ability to get, because we all have these things. We all, it's just like playing, I teach piano. It's just like playing the piano. Everybody can learn to play piano, but some people pop out the womb and will, you know, are, pop out the womb and are Beethoven. So that is just, that's just a natural gift. But, and, but we all have our unique gifts. So everyone has a unique gift that no one else has. So we have to discover what our gifts are, but we are all, I, I just personally like to say we're all special. Instead of saying we're all ordinary, I like to say we're all special. Yes, yes. And you know, I think that one of the things that makes a difference is some of us are more open to having experiences. Yes, yes. And that is, I think it's not special or not special. It's whether you are open or not. Exactly. You can go through life very closed. Mm-hmm. Think that nothing ever happens to you. Yes. But I've had people say that to me. Well, I was uh, fortunate, Caroline, because um, because of my background. When I was a child, I was not indoctrinated into a religion. Um, I, I think sometimes what happens, we, we want to do the best uh, for our children, but um, we start conditioning them right away, and we kind of put them in a box. And when we say to them, you know, this is, this is the way you should think, and this is the way you should pray, and this is what you should believe, and so on. And so they start through life that way. Um, the best gift my mother ever gave me, I think, was the fact that uh, I learned about God through her. And let me tell you how that was. Okay. <laughs> my father often wasn't there at dinner time. Right. And, uh, it would just be my mother and me. And then my I had two younger brothers. And one brother came along and then another. And we would sit at the dinner table. And every night she would pray. It was never a recited prayer. She would talk with somebody in the room. Okay. I would sit across from her and watch her and listen. Of course, I started to ask questions. So I wanted to know, you know, who's God? Well, God is the spirit. Uh, Where is he? He's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Why can't I see? Is he in my tummy? Is he? (laughs) So... And I was, I was just relentless, that poor woman, with questions. It was terrible. So she got some seeds, and she took me out along the side of the house. Okay. And she gave me a little spade, and she said, Now, Emily, she said, you can't see God, but you can feel him. Yes. And you can observe what he does. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like air. She mm-hmm. Says, can't see air, but you can feel it. Yes. Now, Emily, I just want to ask you, Sadie, you're very soft-spoken, and I love that. Can you speak up just a little bit louder? Just if you could. You're doing, I mean, I can hear you, but just if you could speak a little louder. Maybe I need to move it. 
house. Is this any better? A little bit, yes. Just speak as, you know, loud, but not, I don't, know, I don't want you to shout, but just I want you to speak a little louder. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, she, she said, God is like air. We can feel and we can see what it does. Without it, we would not be alive. Without God, we wouldn't be alive. So she took me out and we, she said, now we're going to do our part and God will do his part. So we planted the seeds and we watered them and, and every few days we would go out and then those little sprouts started to come up. And I thought that was amazing. Now, I had seen grass and trees and flowers, but this experience was significant. Yes. Because it started with those seeds and now they're transformed and then the flowers bloom. Yes. And Carol, it was, it was magical for me. And I would look at the clouds and I would look at the birds and I would look at the trees and I would this is how we see God. Exactly. <coughs> that is so beautiful. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but this is the be Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Yes. This, is, this was the beginning of my spiritual journey. And I'm going to tell you two of the biggest things that uh, in my life happened when I was a child. Okay. The thing she taught me about God because little did I know how much I would need Mm -hmm. When I was seven years old, I had my two younger brothers. I came home from school the first day of second grade, and there was a babysitter. My mother, for good reasons, had left my bed. So here we were. Dad came home from work, packed us up, and took us to another town to live with his sister and her husband. My aunt and uncle, they, they didn't have any children of their own. Okay. So there we are. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm brokenhearted. Uh, I don't have my mother. I don't understand what happened. Now, now I'm sorry. I didn't miss. I, I understand. Okay. Now I've got to ask you to backtrack. Because um, I missed the beginning of that. Now, why did your your father take you to your aunt, aunt and uncles? My mother left. I came home first day of second grade and there was a babysitter. We had never had a babysitter. Okay. He had a letter for my father and it was a letter from my mom telling him that she had to leave but uh, and she didn't have the means to take us with her. Okay. And so he took us to live with my aunt. Okay. And I um, slept on a, uh, a studio couch. Remember those old couches that had springs in them? Oh, my goodness. Yes, 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 yes. It was one of those. Okay. And so and it was in a hallway, and that's where I slept. Okay. Every night, I would cry myself to sleep, and I would pray to a God that I knew was everywhere. And I right. prayed, please please bring mommy back night after night after night. Well, my aunt, uh, unfortunately, was very abusive. Your and aunt is very what? Abusive. Okay. Abusive. Okay. And um, uh, 
I won't go into detail about that. No, I understand. Uh, and not only was, was the abuse at home, but she didn't know how to care for a little seven-year-old and she didn't want to fool with my hair. So she's got me a permanent and I, it looked like I was wearing a bramble bush on my head. Okay. Okay. And when I would go to school, Caroline, if I didn't have clean socks, she would hand me my four-year-old brother's socks. Now I was small for my age and she'd say, put these on. And it didn't matter whether my skirt was plaid and my blouse was polka dot. If it was clean, she made me wear it and I would go to school and I was the pariah. I would walk and I would walk into a classroom and the kids would look at me and they'd start backing up. And that was such a, a contrast from the way my life was before. Right. Well, night after night, I prayed and prayed. And lo and behold, nine months later, it was on a Sunday morning. For some reason, we got up and we got, she put us in our good clothes and fixed us up. Now, my father, neither my father nor uncle knew what was going on because it never happened in their presence. And we were scared to death to say anything. My mother came back. I tell you, it was one of the biggest joys of my life. But here's what happened as a result. That night, now we were told when she came back, we were so excited. Let me establish this. And it was a wonderful reunion, but my parents told us that we could not uh, move together as a family. They had to find another place for us to live and make some preparation. So it would be weeks before we could reunite as a family. That night, um, when I got on my <laughs> springy couch <laughs> to go to sleep, I put my head down and I knew something was different. And what was different was that I wasn't crying. And I sat up. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is so wonderful. My mother is back. And then I realized that my prayer had been answered. Yes. And I wanted to run through the house and say, he heard me. Yes. He was answered. Well, what I learned at that moment was so precious, and it's with me to this day, was the deepest sense of gratitude that a person can experience it filled my entire being and i cried from joy yes well that was the first wonderful experience and i have never lost that i wake up every single day with thank you oh wow that that is, so, no, is it okay if I, I share on that? That, 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 because you really, I mean, you, you discovered it. it. It happened to you at seven years old. What is the truth of life? In a sense, to understand, to be thankful in every now moment. And, and, and of course, as a child in the, and your your prayer being answered because I know people are listening to this and they're like, "Well, 
I've prayed for stuff and I didn't get an answer, you know, but God, and, and true, there is always an answer. Sometimes we just, like you said earlier, when you said, um, some people say, well, nothing miraculous happens in my life. It does. Every now moment is a miracle. And every now moment is a blessing. But it's up to us to see that blessing, to see that miracle, and to live your life from the age of seven just with a grateful heart is such a blessing because that is, even in the Bible, and I don't, I don't quote the Bible often, but it says, count it all joy. And when you understand that everything is joy, is a blessing, um, it just change, transforms your life. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. Well, you are so right. And today I look at children and I think to myself, I wonder how many of these children know that kind of gratitude. Right. That's a blessing. But I think it happened because I was open. Yes. Because of the belief that I had. Yes. But the next thing that happened is even this to me, <clears throat> this is monumental. Okay. We moved. Guess where we moved? Right next door. Right next door to your aunt and uncle. My aunt and uncle had a duplex. And my uncle had refurbished the duplex right next door. So my father felt obligated to rent it from me. Yes. Literally on the other side of the wall. Right. Now, I wanted to move as far away <laughs> as I possibly could. I was pretty disappointed about that, but I was so happy to have my mother back. Right. So life went on, except that my aunt had no love for my mother, and so she would make things up and carry them to my parents and tell them of things that I did, which I didn't do. And they would talk to me and I would say, that's not true, but my father would feel so obligated that he would say, well, apologize anyway. Mm -hmm. That was awful. Well, that happened a few times. And I found myself so filled with misery. Oh. Hated my aunt. I I was anxious. I couldn't. I had anxiety. I couldn't focus on my schoolwork. I couldn't even enjoy playing with my friends. It felt like I was carrying a ball of wire, barbed wire, in my gut. Mm -hmm. And so, prayer had helped before. So what did I do? You prayed. My knees, and I prayed. And it was like this. I said, Dear God, I am so miserable. I hate Aunt Anne so much. I feel terrible all the time. Please tell me how to get rid of this feeling. Mm -hmm. And I waited. And the word, forgive. Forgive, yes. Came to my mind. Yes. I heard it. Yes. But, well, I knew what the word meant, I thought, but I didn't know how to do it. Mm. So I went to a minister, mm -hmm. and I asked him 
how to forgive. If you wanted it, how would you go about it? And he told me, we had a long talk, but two essential things. Number okay. one, he said, you have to have love in your heart. Mm. Have love. And I thought of my mom and my dad, and, my, and I said, yes. And he said, now, the next thing you have to do is you have to back away from the situation mm. and look at that person the way God would see and look at this situation the way God would see it from far off. He said, because you know, when somebody does something to you, that's all you can see. It's like looking through a peephole. Yes. And you only see that bad part. You don't see anything around it. And so, <laughs> for weeks, Caroline, I tried to love my aunt. And every week, I failed. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it wasn't happening. So finally, I thought about what he said about taking the long view. Mm -hmm. I started to ask my dad questions about her childhood and who she was and tell me about her. Right. I found out my, my father's parents were immigrants and okay. they had 10 children. And my aunt, from the time she was able to take care of herself, she was among the firstborn. Okay. Taking care of her little siblings all her life. Until I see. Got married. And she only went to the third grade because she was needed at home. And she did terribly in school. And when I found that out, I thought, oh my gosh. And I tried to, I compared myself and I thought, what if I had little babies to take care of every day and I couldn't go out and play? And I realized she'd never had a childhood. Uh -huh. So I went to Susie Hathaway's mom, who had, she had mums. It was October, and she had mums in her yard. And I asked permission, and she allowed me to cut some for me. And I went to my aunt. And when I tapped at the door, and she saw who it was, she yelled, come in. I went in, and she said, what do you want? And I had the flowers behind me. And I said, you know, you probably weren't ready to have three children with me, but you took care of us. And I just came to say thank you. And I wanted it. How beautiful. She reached out. <laughs> I can never tell this without crying. She reached out and she put her arms around me and hugged me and rocked me. It was beautiful. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That is so beautiful. And it's so wonderful that you were given, these are messages from spirit, that the, the word forgive, because that is the truth of oneness. When you understand that we are not separate, your aunt was never separate from you, even though there was that antagonist, you know, antagonist. They, she wasn't separate from you. And because when you wake up to the truth that we're all one, and, and, and the, the Native Americans have a saying, walk a mile in another person's moccasins. So when you actually, at a young age, 
actually took the time, you knew you knew to forgive, and you're like, how can I forgive? You know, you're, you're, she hurt you. So, yes, that's how everybody feels. How can I forgive someone that hurt me? But when you, when you really dig deep into who they are and how they got to be who they are, you, it, it all makes sense. It all becomes clear to you. And in truth, everyone on the planet is doing the best they can. And they're not, they're, it's, it's caught, like you said, we never know what they went through and why they're living and doing the things that they do. And we won't know if we are not in their shoes. But you took the time to find out about her life. And when you, that made you understand. And then when you bought the flowers, oh, um, of course, that, that, I'm sure that just touched her so deeply. Oh, my goodness. Well, what happened was my best friend, Linda, and I started to go to her house after school, and she became our third playmate. Oh, we my goodness. gave her what she did not get as a child. You remember Jax? Did you ever play Jax? Oh, yes. Yes. I wasn't that great at it, but I enjoyed it. Yes. <laughs> We would go to her house. The three of us would compete. We'd play jacks on her kitchen table. We played Chinese checkers. We played, um, she taught us to play canasta. And we would cut out, you know, remember the cutout dolls? You would have a, a little cardboard yes. doll and you'd put the dresses on them and so We did all of that. She became our favorite playmate and I loved her for the rest of my life. Oh my goodness. I want to fast forward with Aunt M until 1990. Mm -hmm. Went to the hospital. She was having surgery. Okay. Came through the surgery, and um, I was teaching at the time. And she called me and wanted me to come and see her before the surgery, which I did. She came through that surgery like with flying colors. Awesome. It was great. However, about Three or four in the morning, I, something woke me up. Say that again. I can't, I can't hear you. Three or four in the morning, something woke me up. Okay. I um, looked up, and here was this woman in white with long golden blonde hair and gorgeous eyes just hovering above me. And I looked up, and I said, Aunt Anne. Mm-hmm. And she said, Oh, she said to me, Do you know who I am? And I said, Yes, Aunt Anne. And I mean, this was woman was around 30 and she was gorgeous. And she said, This is who I really am. Wow. And I said, I know. And that, and I went right back to sleep. And the next morning, um, I woke up and it was the first thing I thought of. And my husband stirred and I looked over at him and I said, Aunt Em died. Mm. And he said, how do you know? And I said, because she visited me. Wow. Did you say goodbye? And I said, no, there was no need. There's no need to say goodbye. Yeah. So yeah. that was, um, it was a situation that became one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. Yes. So, 
Yes. That is so beautiful because it's, it's so beautiful that you were so open as a child and you weren't bogged down with a lot of dogma, you know, religious dogma. You just kind of naturally opened yourself up to spirit and spirit responded right away. Yes. So that, what happened after that, I had many, many experiences. But when I was 18, I had a near-death experience. And after my near-death experience, it was boom. Okay. <laughs> and those, those are the kinds of things that I talk about in this book. Okay. And what happened between them and this book is pretty important. Yes. My mother was clairvoyant, but she wouldn't talk about it. Uh, grew up in an age where you didn't discuss those things. Right. And so um, she let me know that this is not the kind of thing that is appropriate for conversation. Okay. So I, when things would happen, I just kept them to myself. And, oh, and when I had my near-death experience, I was 18 years old. Uh, Dr. Moody had not coined the phrase near-death experience yet. Okay. I didn't have anyone to share it with. And I thought I was the only person in the world that something like this happened to. Wow. Times. Right. Really? Now, what, can you share that, that near-death experience with our listeners? I sure can. Okay. What year was this? I hate to tell you. <laughs> you look amazing and you know it. Nobody would even imagine your age. Okay. So don't even worry. But what year was it? 1956. Okay. Okay. 1956. I had just graduated from high school. Okay. I had allergies like crazy. And um, I, where I lived, I got on a bus on Saturday mornings. I went to the specialist. Now, allergy specialists had not been around very long. I mean, okay. Only few, okay. So I went and I got an allergy shot and I came home and I was cold. Now, they make you wait in the office and I was fine. I got okay. on the bus and I was coming home. And as I got closer to home, I was feeling very fatigued and cold. Now, uh, so I went in the house. I got on a bathing suit and I went out. It was in summer. Yes. I lay down on a blanket and the sun warmed me and I just fell asleep immediately. Okay. My mother came and woke me up and my body was swollen. Your body was what? Swollen. Swollen. Eyes were, I, I could hardly open my eyes. My t everything was just a, a, a major allergic reaction. Yes. Okay. Well, it didn't stop. She took me, we went upstairs. She put me in septic water, and I, uh, we didn't have any air conditioning in those days. It was July. I'm in bed with a sheet. Um, no clothes. She just pulled a sheet over me. My body continued to swell. Mm. Um, it was so bad that the nipples of my breasts and the skin and my limbs just split. Mm. Oh, ouch. Um, 
my heartbeat pounded in my head like a drum, every heartbeat. And my airway was closing and I would I would go unconscious. She called uh, <clears throat> she called the doctor, our family doctor came. Mm -hmm. And all I remember, I remember him saying, uh, his name was Dr. Harris. He, my mother's name was Veronica. He said, Veronica, I can't do a thing. We can't oh. her. I cannot inject her with a needle. It would send her body into shock. All we can do is pray. Mm. And I, I felt them. I thought they were on the, had knelt beside me. Right. And that was it. And the next thing I knew, Carolyn, <clears throat> I was on a train going through outer space. Oh. And it was all of a sudden there I was. I was dressed. Um, there were people in front of me. Okay. Next to me. But what is important about this, I have to preface this to tell you that I had had a traumatic experience with death years before that. Okay. And I was terrified of death or a funeral. I'd walk across the street. Okay. <laughs> okay, a hearse. I would go another direction. I mean, it was that bad. Okay. Here I am on this train, and I'm looking at the backs of people who are seated in front of me. Okay. And they are women and men, and they're dressed in dark clothing. The women have dark hats on with veils, the men are in dark suits, and they're sitting there and they're not moving. So it, it looked like they were going, it looked like they were at a funeral. Yeah, they were okay. either going to a funeral, it was strange. Okay. And I looked at them and it was, this was the odd thing. I wasn't frightened and I felt like I was connected to them in some way. I thought, they might have been people that my grandparents knew or that my parents knew who had given me candy when I was a child. That okay. And when I looked out the windows of the train, we were in space and way out in the distance, I could see teeny little stars. Wow. And as I sat there, it was just kind of like, oh, wow. Here comes a conductor down the aisle. Okay. Gorgeous white hair with a with a conductor's cap. Hat, right. His face just glowed. And I could just he radiated and he came down and I looked at him and I just felt so close to him. And he I said, Can you tell me where this train is going? And I said, and he just kind of smiled. And I said, And what about these people? I said, They they look like they're going to a funeral and um maybe they're dead is it are they dead and he went he just said not really and the, the train started to slow and i looked up and he smiled and he just made me feel so comfortable and loved and he said um i'll come back and you stay here i'll come back and get you okay went back up the train came to a stop and I sat there, and these people got up, and they headed toward the door. Okay. 
and I waited, and he came back, and he took my hand, and we walked up the aisle, the train aisle, and I stood behind these people, Carolyn, as they were getting off the train. And when I stood back and I looked out those doors, that was the light <clears throat> that was just, it was, a, you know, nobody can describe it. I won't even try. It's not just light. It's, it's love. It's music. It's energy. It's everything. And I was just overwhelmed. But what I learned in that moment was exactly what you say every time you interview somebody. We are one. One. And I knew that because what I was seeing, Caroline, each person stepped off that they were a person, they stepped off the train and merged into this light. They became one in this light. And I was absolutely, it was awesome. And I was just watching everything. But the other thing is I, could, I looked in the distance. I could see little buildings. Okay. And so that taught me. I looked at that and I knew that these people were keeping, they were joining a community. It, yes. They were becoming one, but they were also part of the whole. But they yes. were still members of a community. The community. Yes, yes, yes. Their own individuality. Yes. And as you say, you use the word aspect. Yes. <laughs> yes. So this is what I saw. And every time I hear you say that, I do an aha. <laughs> <laughs> but this is exactly what I saw. Mm -hmm. I wanted so badly to get off the train. Okay. The conductor looked at me and he said, not now. Okay. He said, not now. Yeah. Okay. And, but before the doors closed, uh -huh. something spectacular, I looked out. I, I said, just one more peek. And yeah. I looked around the corner, and there was a little building there. It was rounded. Standing on top was this very tall angel. Okay. And it was a male. Okay. And as I looked, I went, oh, and he stood these magnificent wings, and he just posted. You know, wow. Everything was golden. Everything was made of light. Yes. And I said to the conductor, oh, my gosh, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't realize that angels could be male. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I hadn't heard of Gabriel and, and Oh okay. Arch uh, Michael. Arch yeah. Angel Michael, okay. I hadn't heard of them. Okay. Uh, or if I did, it didn't register because right. my grandmother, who was Catholic by the way, had placed a picture above my crib, above <laughs> my bed, uh, that it's a classic picture of a beautiful female angel following two little children across a rickety bridge. Have you ever seen that? Mm, not real, not that particular one, but I can envision it, yes. So, in my mind, an angel was 
a beautiful woman. Was a woman, yes. So I was so in, in truth, you know, spirits are neither male or female. Okay. <laughs> okay. They appear to us how we want to see them, yes. But, and, and there is, you know, I can almost not talk about the overwhelming love because I start to cry. Yes. <laughs> it's inexpressible. You can't even. Oh, my goodness. Yes. But, but then there's something else that happened. After I had this experience, um, I woke up, it was four o'clock the next day. Okay. And my mother was, uh, this is gross, but everywhere that my skin had split, this clear fluid was oozing and I had stuck to the sheets. Oh, okay. Okay. So she's lovingly, you know, kind of swabbing me down and yes. me from these sheets and stuff. Well, that night, um, I, I was just, I was so filled with joy. I couldn't speak because I could barely open my eyes and I, my tongue was still swollen. I, but I had tears. My mom, her heart was broken. She thought I was in pain. <laughs> I was, so I was crying from, from joy. From yeah. bliss. <laughs> yes, from bliss. So... As the day wore on, that night I'm lying in bed. I was feeling somewhat better because the swelling now had started to, to come down. Yes. And I'm lying in bed and I'm thinking, I'm praying and I'm, I'm asking God, why did this happen? Mm -hmm. What was this? Did, was I really, did I really go to heaven? Did I see? the other side. I was so confused. I couldn't speak. All of this was going on inside me. And these words came through my mind. And okay. When shadows fall athwart thy path, tis God who passes by. Say that again a little louder, honey. I, I'm still. I'm, I'm, I hate to keep asking you to, to speak up, but I'm, I'm having trouble hearing you. Okay. When shadows fall athwart thy path, tis God who passes by. Mm. Okay. And I said, I didn't know where that came from. And I said to myself, I will never forget this. Yes. It, I, I got the meaning right away. Yes. So then... I came through the near-death experience, and I went through the rest of my life looking for that line. Mm. Okay. I wrote that. I later became an English teacher, and I was reading literature. I was reading all the time, always looking for that line. When I was uh, better after I healed, um, I went to the library. We didn't have the internet. Right. <laughs> Catalog. Not in 58. No, no internet in 58. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a search. And then when the internet came in, I searched and searched and searched up until 2014. And, and Jim, my Jim would help, was helping me search. Yes. 
and we found on a blog, we found where that line came from. Okay. Now, this is really going to boggle your mind. Okay. <laughs> the woman on the blog, and I have it somewhere in, it's all in, in, in my book. In the book, okay. She had a cousin whom she never knew. And this cousin lived in Ohio. Okay. Um, the cousin was a spinster, and she was a very devout Christian. Christian, okay. She lived alone all her life, and she wrote poetry. All okay. Hmm. Nothing was ever published. Oh. Before she died, she turned this book of poetry that she had written, she gave it to her best friend who was a neighbor. Okay. The woman who created the blog, her cousin, um, after her, after the death, right, and was given this book. Okay. And she thought the poetry was so beautiful that she put it out there on a blog for people to read. Okay. And that line was in her poem. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what that, that puts me in mind of? What? The Akashic Records. I don't know if you've ever heard that oh, term. Yes, I have. Yes. Everything, all knowledge, everything is in the, the, another word for the Akashic Record is ether. Every, all knowledge, all of that we can access. Um, I love the way Edgar Casey spoke about the Akashic Records. He was the, 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 he would go into trance and basically be, his consciousness was completely asleep. He was completely unconscious, but in that state, he would access the Akashic Records. And so when I think of that, so that, that came to you in 58 from spirit, but then as she's writing her poetry, that same thing came to her. Well, then I kept looking and I found it in two other places and it okay. was used in two different eulogies. Oh. And they were in old newspapers. That was it. So I have no idea whether, I don't know how these things happen. I don't figure them out. I just know that it happened. Right. Yes, yes. That's um, amazing. I know. I know. And I, what I did for this first, oh, and this is what I wanted to tell you. Okay. I told you about my near-death experience, Caroline, when I thought I was the only person since biblical times because I didn't talk about it. Right. Well, I went through all my life, and I had many amazing things happen. And I just kept putting them on the back burner, you know, uh, Maybe I would share with a, a very trusted friend, most of my family. My brother didn't even know. Uh, right. Any of my family didn't know. And then Jim and I uh, came together. Okay. Started to share these with him. Okay. This went back to my 18 years old, and it took me until 
2014, Caroline. Yes. Jim said to me, you need to write these things down. Yes. And when I started to write about them and recall them, it was like someone hit me over the head with a hammer. I thought, oh my gosh. These, that's what has made me, that the fabric of my being is in these experiences. Yes. And my, my joy and my faith. Yes. And I, I started to write about them. And that's when the wind was at my back. And before you knew it, I, here I am now. Yes. I didn't start writing until sustainability at this stage of life. That's okay. I never dreamed that I would ever write a book, let alone two, and coming up three before. Awesome. That's amazing. Now it's, I have to tell you about my mission. Okay. It's the same as yours. Okay. <laughs> no, you can't have it. It's mine. <laughs> I'm teasing. Yeah. Here's, I'm gonna, and here's my niche. Okay. We're sitting here talking about these wonderful things, and I know that you have miracles in your life. Yes. And But we're speaking to the choir. The people who tune in to your program yes. are already on their journey. And yes. what you're doing is you are stretching and expanding yes. their awakening and their awareness, which is wonderful. And you're spreading the word. And I love it. Um, and you're, you're showing some amazing things. And I, I wrote this down because I thought of you. Uh, when, when I saw this, it says, show what is possible by moving past it and demonstrating the impossible. Right. So many of the people that you have on talk about experiences that the rest of us sit back and say, wow, wow. it's almost impossible. But it right. <coughs> what I'm talking about is um, I'm appealing to the man on the street. Okay. I'm appealing to people in my neighborhood. I'm appealing to the grassroots. Yes. You are talking to the people who are joining the choir. Right. I'm trying to get people to join the choir. Okay. <laughs> well, I do hear you. I, I, I actually... From spirit, spirit kind of, and I would say maybe two years ago, I got the message from spirit that my message is supposed to reach the masses, the non-choir people. And I know that right now, I, I actually today is an anniversary. I don't know if I mentioned, today is the, the fourth anniversary of my very first show. That aired live on March 13th, 2015. So did, and, and Facebook reminded me of that. <laughs> Facebook is good. Facebook reminded me today is my fourth anniversary. So <clears throat> I know that the first four years, I have been, people that tune in have been the choir, but it's also, I feel just because 
I am one of those quote unquote ordinary people that has had an amazing experience and a lot of parents, because my son is in spirit, but a lot of parents, like with Helping Parents Heal, I'm, I'm active with Helping Parents Heal. And so a lot of my audience are parents but um, that have children on the other side. But I know that a part of my mission is to reach the masses with the simple truth of oneness, meaning you don't have to understand quantum physics. You don't have to understand ancient wisdom. You don't have to understand spirituality because a lot of people struggle with quantum physics, ancient wisdom, and spirituality. So I, my thing, my message is to make it very simple. And then when you look at it in any, when you look at it from the scientific uh, or from the metaphysical, or, you know, in a layman's term, I try to explain the oneness from a layman's term so the masses can really like, hmm, well, let me think about this. So I do believe that part of my mission is to reach the masses. And I, I certainly won't uh, argue with you, but there are always going to be those that you don't reach. Okay, yeah, well, definitely, definitely. What I'm talking, well, I'm going to give you some of my experience, and I'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. Okay. Um, I do talks at local libraries. Okay. And um, uh, people will come, and uh, I'll have people look at me and say, uh, you know, this is real interesting, but nothing like this is, I wish something like this would happen, but, you know, I've just, nothing like this and um, and then they wanted to talk more. So I ended up forming what I call the Mystical Interludes Discussion Group. Awesome. And people, and it's growing. It started out our first meeting at eight people. I now have 50 on my membership list. Awesome. Here's what happens. Here is what I've discovered. Um, I think experience is the very best teacher. Yes. So my mission is to get people to examine their lives and recognize <clears throat> their experiences because they happen to all of us. Yes. We miss it. Yes. Let me give you an example. Okay. Um, we had a, a couple meetings ago. Uh, somebody who uh, came to the meeting, uh, she would go home and she would tell her husband about what we talked about. And he said, you know, he, he wasn't interested. He said, you know, those, he, those things. Don't yeah. So, um, and what we have found in my group, I start every meeting with, have you had any mystical interludes lately? Right. And they start sharing, and I have started a journal. Where okay. We are journaling all these things, and the more they happen, the more they happen. And yes. The more you open yourself and you say thank you, the more they happen. That this is what I'm learning. Yes. She came that day, and she said, <clears throat> "He really 
surprise me. He came home. He was going to a um, produce market. And okay. I was driving down the street. And he looks over. You know how you go somewhere and all of a sudden you see something you never saw before? Yes. I've been on that road a million times. Well, he saw a sign that said uh, an arrow and it said uh, to Route 28. Okay. I didn't know you could get there from here and I never saw that sign before and he pulls up at the market and he gets out of his car and he starts toward the stand and a woman walks up and she says sir could you please tell me how to get to route 28 <laughs> and he goes oh and he said absolutely and he was able and she got in her car and he said how many told his wife he said I felt I had been used on a mission. Right. Say that again. You felt, he felt. I felt like I had been used on a mission. Yes. To help this woman. Yes. And until you started talking about these things, I never would have noticed. Noticed. Exactly. And uh, little things. My daughter right now is so tuned in. She was telling me about one morning when um, everybody, she has two teenage daughters and she works and her husband works and everything was in chaos this morning. Yes. <laughs> and everybody, you know, finally got it together and they were gone and she grabbed her purse and ran out to the car and uh, closed the garage door, got in the car and realized that she had forgotten the keys. <coughs> she... Yeah, the keys are in the house. Runs back in, grabs her keys, and sitting beside her keys is her lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Which on that particular day was very important. Right. And she said, I picked up my keys and my lunch and said, thank you so much. <laughs> now, this is what I'm talking about. I lived all those years after a near-death experience and a vision of a past life, and I could go on and on, many, many experiences. And it wasn't until 2014. You know what? All in perfect divine timing. Yes, in, in our, our, our humanness, things happen in a straight line, but it's it, there is no time in spirit, and everything that happens, happens in perfect divine timing. So 2014 was perfect. Well, it was, but it also taught me something, and it taught me that these things can go right by us. And, uh, you know, uh, my neighbor might not be interested in hearing my near-death experience. Right. But he might listen when I talk about my coincidence. Yes. Mystical interlude. Right. As I call it. Yeah. This, a lot of these little experiences, and experience is the best teacher. Yes. A lot of these little experiences can lead to a big aha. Well, here's the thing. You say experience is the best teacher, and from me, Experience is truly the only teacher because when we don't, we can, we can find something interesting 
And we like, oh yeah, that's very interesting. But when we have our own personal, unique experience, it makes the world of difference. So the, and we're here. We are spiritual beings here for the experience. So experience is the master teacher and it comes from within. And in truth, the day, the time that we're living in, I can't believe it's 2019. I keep on saying 2019 and almost three months have gone by already in 2019. I can't believe it. But we're in the day and age that we're living in right now is the awakening of humanity. And we have the internet to help to to really reach out to because I can do my little show in my little home in the Poconos and it's reaching the world. And so yes, it it and it takes each of us. It takes you, it takes me, it takes every one of us to to demonstrate. I like that you use the word demonstrate because all we can do is to inspire others by our demonstration of unconditional love. And I'm, yes, so I, I just, I, I, I feel so blessed because I'm just following spirit. And I'm just taking it one moment at a time. And you're doing the exact same thing in your own unique way. Yes. I, I want, I suppose, I would love to hear from um, listeners out there who are interested in helping, you know, I would like them to start their own groups. Mm. Well, let's start talking about these things because that's where it starts on a one-to-one basis. Yes, please share with the listening audience right now how they can find you on the internet and how they can connect with you. Please share that right now. Both my books are on Amazon and um, uh, under Mystical Interludes. And they can either uh, go to my website. You can get there two ways, either mysticalinterludes.com or mollybrodovich.com. And there is a place there where you can contact me. And I would love to hear from... Uh, from your listeners. And, awesome. Uh, very, very good. I this, love that. this is so true. But I, I do believe we are living in an, the age of humanity's awakening. And, and yes. So well, that choir you spoke of is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. I know. And we need as many members as we yeah. can. And I agree wholeheartedly with you that when everybody realizes that we are one, that's the only way I can think of that we can have it. Yes. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. The truth, the simple truth of oneness. When everybody awakens to the fact that that person out there is not separate from you. That person is a part of you and that person is not separate from God. You're not separate. You can never be separate from God. That other person can never be separate from God. It's just God is all that is. And we are part of that. And when that to me is a very simple truth. And when people awaken 
humanity awakened. And I use the word awakened because we are spirits having a temporary human experience and we chose to forget. So now we have to wake up and remember who we are. And when we do remember the simple truth of oneness, not only will there be peace on earth, there'll be no more crime, there'll be no more poverty. It is the solution to all of mankind's problems. And that, that day is coming very soon. I think it is. Yeah. You know, a, a minister, um, I joined, a ch- I didn't join, I went to a church. Okay. I tried to um, figure out, you know, if, if I were Christian or not. And I kind of, kind of came out of Christianity. Um, I, nothing against it. Right. Um, but I asked the minister about his calling. And he said that until you have had a personal experience with God yes. or source or whatever you want to call it, you only, you don't really believe in God. You only believe in the idea. Yeah, right. But I think that I can take that one step farther. Mm-hmm. Go from believing in the idea to believing, but the next step is knowing. Knowing, exactly. It's okay. knowing, yes. So and I think always on this journey toward knowing. Knowing, exactly. And when you know, you know. And it's not, and it's where I know in my heart what I know. And all I can do is share by example by being a living demonstration of what I know. But I, it, it is a knowing. When you know in your heart, it just makes a, a whole world of difference. And I personally, I, I used to be very active in a Christian church many years ago. Um, but I, I do not claim to, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for every religion. Christian, Hindu, Buddhist, um, um, Muslim, doesn't matter. To me, those are, those are labels um, because God is unconditional love. God has no, does not care what you call him or she or it. Yeah, God is everything and you are a part of that everything and can never be separated. And so I, because of, I'm so grounded in the truth of oneness, I don't take on any of those labels, uh, but I have the utmost, utmost respect for anybody's religion, anybody in any and everybody's belief have the utmost respect for him yes thank you so much emily for being my guest again and i'm sure i'll see you every time i see you i just you just light up a room you're just such a shining light and every time i see you in person i'm like emily well, I say the same thing about you. Oh, thank you so much. So I am sure we will be running into each other very soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, let me share. I will, the last con- let me share here um, to help uh, tell people about the We Don't Die conferences. Emily and I saw each other a few weeks ago in Boston at the We Don't Die Boston. And I will be at the We Don't Die conference in Orlando. It is March 27th to April 1st. 
So I want to let everybody know that this conference is coming up and you can still register. If, if someone's local and lives in Orlando, you must check it out. And we don't die with Sandra Champlain and Sandra Champlain's show is We Don't Die Radio. She's amazing. Yes. yes. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for being my guest again. And I know I will see you very soon. And we will stay in touch. Yes, because you're my dear friend now. Your family. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You have a, the great rest of your day, sweetie. And I, I, keep, I love what you're doing with your, your group meetings in the library. That's a great thing. You're doing a wonderful thing. Keep up the wonderful work. Thank you. And I can't wait for your third book. Do you have the title? Of your no, no title. That's okay. It'll come. Love you. Okay. All righty. Bye-bye.